What's up, what's up, y'all? This is Dave. And this is Devin. And you're listening to the Dave and Dev Podcast. Dave and Dev. Gotta keep it real like Dave and Dev. On my job like Dave and Dev. Tell no lie like Dave and Dev. Some days I wanna stay in bed, but I get ready for the day ahead. I wanna complain, but I pray instead. Then I'm on my way to the Dave and Dev. And it go like, I don't need a crew. Don't play by he say, she say rules. Don't play, no, we can't do. I'd rather have faith while G-O-D make moves. So please stay cool. All, all I do is speak the truth on things I see they do. I'm a sinner myself. No lie, I need grace too. We lit like EKU. Yeah. What's up? Good morning, Devin. Yo, what's going on, Dave? How you been, man? I'm doing good, man. Saturday, June 20th. It's good to be on the podcast with you, man. Thanks, man. This, we are we are post-Juneteenth right now. We are post-Juneteenth. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, we got an exciting podcast today, though. Yeah, we do. Oh, and happy Father's Day to all the Father's Day listeners. We have, you know, part of this one is a special Father's Day-themed episode. So... Uh, before we get into that, let's hear a word from our sponsor. The Dave and Dev podcast is sponsored by Ascend Wood. Ascend Wood is sharing the gospel and God's word through their apparel and bracelets. A portion of every item helps fund their ministry partner in Hayden. For more information, you can go to their website at ascendwood.com or you can find them on social media at Ascend Wood. Well, listen, I'm going to introduce our... Uh, guest for the day, uh, Mr. Jeremy Haskins. Super excited to have him on. Jeremy, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, I grew up in the great state of Tennessee. Um, At uh, age 19, I guess, God called me in the ministry. I went to Alabama uh, Bible College there at Southeastern Bible College, met my wife there. We've been married for uh, 23 years, uh, I think now we've known each other 23 years. Uh, we have, uh, six kids. They're all between the ages of 12 and 18 right now. Hey. Uh, so I've got a 18 year old Titus. He just graduated high school. He's headed to college, play baseball, 17 year old Nathan, uh, 15 year old Anna, 15 year old Isaac, uh, 13-year-old Karis and 12-year-old Jonah. And that is the first time I have ever, I think, recounted all of their ages <laughs> and names. <laughs> hey, you heard it for your first, y'all. You heard it here first. Yeah. So I just started going, and I got them all right. There you go. And Titus is also a rapper, right? Yeah, that's kind of his... Uh, I guess uh, you might call it side hobby. I don't know. He He's getting pretty good at he's it. He's good at he's, it. Yeah. If you I haven't listened, like, you got to go check him out. Yeah, I actually had like no idea that he that he rapped. And then I think, I, I forget who posted it. It was Derek. Yeah, so, yeah, someone posted a video of him rapping. And I listened to it. I was like, you know, I, I had like low expectations. Like, okay, local rap. <laughs> 
And, uh, well, I I had low expectations too, and he's gotten better. <laughs> yeah, and I was so. like, wait, this actually sounds like halfway decent. Yeah. Hey, yeah, shout out to getting, Titus. He's we getting better. Get him on, we need to get him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. No, that's awesome. So, uh, big family. Uh, you're a pastor, right? Yes. Um, I was at Ashland Avenue Baptist Church in Lexington for. About 16 years and half of my time there was um, the missions pastor. And then the other half was planting Ashland Church here in Richmond. Uh, And then two years ago, we launched in Richmond, Kentucky as our own local autonomous church. And so I'm the lead pastor here in Richmond, Kentucky at Ashland Church. Awesome. And for those of you that don't know, actually... My wife and I had the pleasure of going to Ashland for around eight months, nine months before we moved. So uh, got a got a great experience there. And uh, if you're in Richmond in that area, go check it out. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. What uh, at, in the spirit of Father's Day, what's your favorite part about being a dad? Oh, man, um, it's. um I don't know. I guess just watching my kids uh, grow and mature Um, right now we have, um, you know, and I guess this answer would change over time. But right now we have, again, older, young adult uh, children. And right now I I take a lot of joy in just watching them mature and grow um, and live, you know, learning to live as adults, taking responsibility uh, watching them uh, prepare to go out into the world. And, um, you know, we take a lot of, of joy. Not, and it's not just in that, oh, we're great parents and they're ready to go, but um, really watching them struggle and, and yet uh, walk, walking through it with them. And so, um, yeah, just I think, I think walking with them as young adults right now, uh, we take a lot of joy in that. For sure. That's got to be a, a really interesting uh, time. I have I have very young kids. <laughs> like I have a four year, or almost four year old, and an almost two year old. So like to me, that just seems like so far away in an instance. But I know it's like <laughs> on the it's on the cusp. It's coming up soon. But um, so with your family, like what are the types of things that you guys like to do together? Yeah, well, all of our kids have been involved in sports, athletics, and so. Um, we see sports and athletics. It's, it's not just something, you know, I guess we like to do. We, since the time they were young, it's, it's been part of discipleship just as a family. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we've, we've always been involved in sports and athletics and, um, and so that, that's taken up a lot of time from baseball, basketball, and now we got Jonah who plays football. And so they've always been doing that. My girls have swam. Nathan has swam. So that's taken up a large part of our free time. Um, and so we, but we enjoy it. It, it. It's good. It's good for our family. Um, I would say more recently, since, you know, things have been a little different the last three months, um, we, we've done a lot of just hanging out around the house together. Um, and so right now, just, just being together, having meals together, hanging out, 
um, has been really good uh, for us. Um, after years of being involved in athletics and um, that taking up a lot of time, you know, we're kind of we spent a lot of time together over the last three months um, in quarantine, just right hanging out, hanging out, being together, and so we're we're enjoying that right now. Yeah, uh, I just want to follow up on that. Is that I was an athlete growing up, and uh, you you obviously being a pastor, how do you how do you uh, balance? Because one of the struggles for me growing up and um, was making sport an idol. So how do you balance not making sport an idol but using it for discipleship? Yeah, well, we've always set boundaries and parameters, and because early on we we realized that was going to be a struggle because our kids love to play, we love being at the ball field, we love being in the gym, uh, we we loved being at the pool, we loved it all, and we knew, and we felt that in our own hearts that this could be this could be an idol, um, and so Sundays. Um, were were off limits um our our kids if they had games or stuff on sunday we worked really hard they they weren't going to miss worship on sunday and so that was one one way in which this was not going to take priority over over christ and we we were going to do our best to to make sure they never missed a worship service for uh, a sporting event and then Along the way, we would take seasons where we just said, uh, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to play any sports right now. So most of the time it was fall where there wasn't baseball going on. Um, It was before basketball season and our kids wouldn't be involved in sports. Uh, We, you know, we would we would spend a lot of time together as a family, a lot of time watching college football. Um, you know, just hanging out here on Saturdays. And so we, we paced ourselves in that way and we set up boundaries. Um, and then, you know, uh, along the way, just learning how our hearts worked, you know, uh, trying to protect this from becoming an idol and constantly talking to our kids about that, coaching them, um, you know, making sure that they understood their identity wasn't wrapped up in, how good they were or how bad they were, but ultimately the gospel is what makes sense out of your identity. And one of the things I think was good for me uh, as a dad is my kids were all on, and they still are on all kinds of different levels. Uh, you know, they're not all great. Yeah. You know, some of them are really good. Uh, some of them aren't that good. And so that gave us a lot of perspective uh, to say, you know, this is not just about the sport itself. There's something bigger going on here, and we gotta we gotta figure out how to teach you to uh, to deal with success, and we have to teach you how to deal with failure, and then, you know, it's all mixed together. But we can't, you know, we can't let this become an idol. We can't let it define us. And so, um, yeah, it, it's real easy. And that's kind of how that's worked out for our family. Yeah. Now you have. It's real easy for it to become an idol. Yeah. And that's how we've tried to protect against it. Which is awesome because, I mean, some, I didn't have that, I didn't have that structure growing up. And so that, that it was hard for me. Like, I became a Christian when I was in my 20s still playing basketball for Eastern Kentucky. And it was still hard to, like, understand that balance between 
uh, that I can use sport as a vehicle, but it's ultimately ultimately not my Lord or my my God. So that's awesome. Yeah, and and I and it's we had to learn. Like we have six kids. I was we weren't that great with these issues with Titus right. and Nathan, but by the time we've got to Jonah, it's like okay, we've had this is our sixth. We're figuring out how to do this, and so it's a process. And um, again, it, it's not it's not easy. You, you have to fight and you have to work to do it. You can't coast. Yeah. So now you have six kids you mentioned. So first of all, kudos to you for shout out to you. Still having all your hair. You and your (laughs) you and your wife, man. Y'all are saints. I mean, my I have I have a uh, I have some I have uh, uh, my in laws. They have five kids, and I'm like, and they're all younger right now. I'm like, whew, this is this is busy every day. But six, man, you really, you uh, you took advantage of what the Lord said, the, the cultural mandate. So, uh, <laughs> so shout out to you for that. Um, yeah. But you decided to you have you adopted uh, two your son son uh, two of your sons are adopted, correct? Yes, they are. And so, can you talk about like uh, what made you all go into the decision of adoption, and how that's been for you all? Well, we um. We have four. We had four kids. Uh, I guess two thousand and eight. In our church, um, there was a man in our church who started. He, he gave some money for an adoption fund in uh, Ashland Avenue in Lexington. We we decided that we were going to begin to help families uh, through the process of adoption, rescuing orphans from around the world. And we were at a church service, and we had a someone there who was talking about adoption and he said the way that this begins is some of you've just got to do it you got to decide that you're going to uh adopt and at the time we had four kids and i looked at danae and i basically said so do you want to do this do you want to adopt and she said yeah why not (laughs) and so we we picked uh ethiopia because it was the at that time, it was the quickest and easiest, and we started filling out paperwork, and before we knew it, they'd sent us two kids of uh, Isaac and Jonah, and we committed to them, and we went through a process of nine months to a year um, of adopting them, finally going to Ethiopia in 2009, July of 2009, um, and um and getting them, bringing them home, and making them Haskins. Yeah. So you have so. I, Jer, I'm just elephant in the room, Jer, Jeremy. You're white, okay. Mm-hmm. And your your sons are are black. So when yes, yes. issues like uh, like the the recent issues of like George Floyd's and racial unrest in the country happen, like does that change the dynamics in your family, like the conversations that you all have or like, how do you all deal with those things? Yeah. Um, well, race is something that we have talked about from the very beginning. Danae and I actually wanted to adopt, um, kids from another race, another ethnicity, preferably black kids. Um, that's what we wanted to do from the beginning. And so, that's been a part of the conversation from the very beginning is that we delight in diversity and we delight in the fact that uh, we're a mixed family, uh, interracial family. 
Um, and so that's just kind of part of who we are. And so when things in the country, like what, what we've experienced lately, uh, come up, it's filtered through that. And, and we see things in that way. I mean, you can't help but but do that you know my you know in, in our home you know we have uh siblings who you know they look across the room and they have black brothers and so they're immediately thinking how are you thinking about this you know what's going on how how am i supposed to think about this in light of the fact that i have black brothers and then um you know and so so yeah it it's an immediate conversation it it it, it affects us immediately um, and so, uh, it's, it's, it's easy to talk about in that way, um, because we're confronted with it every day and, and we have been since they came into our home. Was there like a particular reason why you wanted to adopt kids of a different race? Well, yeah. And, th- and this could get, um, this could get, I guess, dicey a little bit. I, I grew up in the South. Uh, I grew up in uh, Lewisburg, Tennessee, uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest, uh, the first Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, uh, where he was born is three to five minutes from my house. Uh, I grew up in, uh, you know, racial turmoil. Um, our school was was integrated. Um, I had a lot of black friends growing up, but we were just kind of thrown into um, the heart of racial controversy. And, and we had to deal with that growing up. And, um, I just, in my heart, when God began to teach me according to the gospel, that racism was sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he, you know, he delighted in diversity. Um, I wanted to reflect that in my family. I didn't know how, I didn't know that, uh, necessarily, you know, I, I didn't know that I would, have black kids but i knew that my family was going to be committed to um you know um being different than than what i experienced growing up and so that's one of the reasons that we decided to adopt black kids is is it's almost um to contradict some of the things i experienced growing up dang so you so have you ever brought your kids back to where you were born Oh, absolutely. Uh, they will tell you they're from Tennessee. I mean, <laughs> they, they're from, they were born in Ethiopia, but they will say they are Tennesseans. Uh, and, and that's kind of the great thing. So I grew up in, again, a small town, rural Tennessee. Um, there's, um, you know, my family, um, you know, they had to deal with the issues of racism. Um, you know, that just, like anybody else. And then all of a sudden you have these two black kids in your home and that topic, you know, in your family. And so, you know, uh, grandparents, great grandparents, you know, they all of a sudden have to say, well, I have two black grandkids. And so how do I think about all these issues and, uh, watching my family that I grew up in transform and change their thoughts about race because of my two sons uh, being a part of our family, it, it has been, um, it, it has been sanctifying for me and it has yeah. reminded me of the gospel. And it reminds me, it reminds me of the church because, um, you know, the church is to be a family yeah. made up of people of all different races. And so 
if we are truly a family, when we walk through things that are going on, like, like what we're experiencing in our culture right now, um, we have to look at these things as a family. Um, I may, I may disagree with you, but I can't, I can't, uh, I have to, I have to empathize with how you feel about these things. Cause you're my brother. Yeah. And, uh, we've experienced that as a family. You know, I, I would dare say that, uh, some of my extended family, they would probably disagree with me on race issues, but they see it differently right now because they know they have, um, you know, they have um, these nephews, these grandsons who are black. And so they can't just say or think however they want to or however they used to about it because now it affects them and their family. And yeah. so they have to think about it differently. That's kind of what I was I was alluding to a couple of weeks ago on the podcast is that you can't you can't weep with those who weep you can't weep with your brother unless you really know your brother like to truly like i, I mean i will take that back like you can but like you would understand a lot of the issues and like when you actually know somebody who's experiencing those things or who actually absolutely to walk yes. those things. so it's like i can i can be sad about it about an incident that happens but unless i know somebody who's actually in that context it becomes more personal and more real to me. Yes. Yeah. And, and that, and that's, that's going on even in my family friendships that I have in the context of our church. Um, you look at, um, you look at these scenes and you, you see what's going on in our culture and, and you feel, and you think a certain way about it. Um, but they also, you know, like my family knows that, my two black sons have been called the N word quite often at school. And so instead of them just going, racism doesn't exist. They go, hold on. I know it does because I know it happens in the context of my family in this friendship in these people I know at church. And so I can't just, I can't just react to it because I know someone personally who this has affected. And so I've got to temper my, my response in that way. So I kind of want to like, follow up on it I'm, and i'm sorry I'm, i've got all these follow-up questions for you but uh, that's fine did did you talk about race with your kids proactively or was it like more reactive to something that happened oh man um i guess it all kind of happens at once because <laughs> when you're adopting uh kids from ethiopia like we had a relative say to us you know, why are you doing that? You're bringing two black kids into a white home. Yeah. You know, you're going to make their life so hard. And I, and I looked at them and said, they're starving to death in an orphanage in Ethiopia. I don't think I'm going to make their life harder by bringing them into my home. And so that was one of the first conversations about race we had. And so we realized we were going to have to deal with this issue from the very beginning. Um, and for a while, my, all my kids were homeschooled. Um, and immediately when we sent Jonah and Isaac to public school, they immediately were, were confronted with, with the issues of racism. Um, they were called the, you know, they're called the N word, uh, almost right off the bat. Man. Um, and so we're having to walk them through that, um, you know, and so we, we've had to deal with it from the very beginning. Um, and, 
you know, prepare them. And, and there are things, you know, I have, I have black friends and they've sort of coached me up in how to raise black sons. And there's conversations you got to have with them that you're not going to have with the other boys. And for instance, my two black sons, I have to tell them, you know, they're, they're in sports, basketball games over, you know, all the cheerleaders are running up, congratulating the, the basketball team I've got on the team, you know, I think two of the black kids on the team, one of them's mine. And I have to tell him, Hey, you know, that, that white cheerleader, she can't, you can't just be hugging on her cause her daddy doesn't like that. And so Yo. I've had to have that conversation, um, you know, and that, and there's a little subtle comments like you're only fast because you're black, those sort of things. And so we're always having to have these conversations we have from the beginning. Um, and so I don't know if it's proactive or it just all happens at once. It, it's just been a part of of raising uh, two black boys in my home. Hmm. Yeah, that's a. Uh... I, I can't imagine you. I remember a story that you told one of my first Sundays at Ashland about being at a camp. Do you know the story I'm talking about? Uh, when um, you guys like were registering, registering at a camp and uh, somebody made a comment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it, I was with one of my sons and the guy behind the counter, he just looked at me and said, I can't do anything until his parents get here. And it, it was sort of, it was in the attitude that, you know, these kids are always coming in here and they're trying to, you know, play the games and trying to get in free. Um, you know, this, this poor little black boy. And I just looked at the guy and said, he is my son. And you could tell he was embarrassed. And so, uh, yeah, there, there are moments like that a lot, but, um, but again, we, we prepare them and we coach them. We talk about it. Um, and, and we embrace it as, you know, this is, you know, God's called us to these things and he's helping us understand the world. He's helping us, you know, see where we fit as far as, you know, witnesses of the gospel. Uh, that's what our family wants to, to represent the gospel. And we have moments like that where we can, you know, where we can do that. And, and not all the world thinks the way we do about race or the gospel uh, and so we have opportunities to live it out, even in those moments. How cool, how cool was it though? Like when I remember you telling the story in, in context, uh, and you mentioned about like the correlation to like God saying like, that's my son when we're like, don't deserve to be called his son in a way, like not that your son didn't deserve to be called your son, but like the, the beautiful like correlation of adoption in the gospel of like, how like we go into spaces and you know we don't belong right like we like we it may be to the outside world that we don't belong but like god calls us as like that's my son the prodigal son right like he he always brings us back and holds us up you know and so i just remember that being a really impactful story for for me yeah i i I mean i take great delight in, in all my kids um absolutely and and the fact that they're my kids you know there are times where i'm just watching all of them and uh i'm just i'm thankful that i'm their dad that's one of the things um that god convicted me to make sure i tell them that i'm glad i'm your dad and and i take great delight in that 
Um, and, and the same is true in those moments um, where it's tense, where there's issues of race. Uh, I, I mean, I take great delight in the fact that Isaac and Jonah are my sons, that they're black and that, you know, I, I love it. it. It's something that, that I enjoy. Um, and, and so I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. So kind of shifting gears just a little bit to talking about like race, like how, how are you addressing your uh, congregation as the father of two black children and uh, you know, navigating this whole process right like how are you answering questions with your congregation about like hey like what what can we do next like how can we you know be more involved in this issue or what is an even issue about right like so how do you address those things with your with your congregation yeah and it, it kind of plays off what we've already talked about is um we're we're family we talk about as a church we're family and so it's natural for our congregation to to think about these things in light of the fact that that their pastor has two black sons. So I'm going to be tempered at, at how I think about it and I'm going to have self-control and I'm going to be gracious and kind. And um, because I know, I, you know, I know I know these kids. I love these kids. So I'm going to be careful how I, how I think and talk about uh, race Um one of the things that's, I guess, frustrating about um, what's going on in the world is like you don't know where to jump in. Like you're, it, there's so much outrage, and and now we're talking about the cancel culture, and you're just you're like, where, what do I, what do I say? What do I do? And it's hard to have meaningful conversations right now uh, that that make sense. But what I am finding is that in the context of the church, those are those conversations are going on uh, over the last three weeks. That's where um, I feel like uh, I've grown the most. I've seen other people grow in conversations that aren't on social media. Mm. Uh, church church members calling me going, hey, help me think about this. Mm. Um, talk to me about this. I don't. I don't see this the way you do. Can you, can you, can you explain to me? Like I, I've been, and I guess that's what I've been the most thankful for, for our church is, is that humility in, in people just saying, you know, help, help me think through it. And so that's where a lot of good conversations are going on. And I think that's, I think that's what's going to be lasting. Cause I look at the outrage and I look at the, cancel culture and with issues of race and i wonder how long is this movement going to last because it, it's built on emotion and, and reaction right now yeah and i think if the church, church. isn't having deep conversations about it i don't know that it's going to last and so that's where it's going to last in the context of the church mm. i mean and so you're in richmond and um Obviously, both Dave and I have lived in Richmond before, and so we know that that community has a great respect for police officers. um, But in the same sense, like talking about race, have you have you ever had anything like in your church with tension? Like you talking about race, has someone alluded to that 
you're not talking about that you're talking down about police officers at the same time, or has that not been an issue for you? I I don't. It hasn't been an issue because I think the police officers in our church they're they're some of my closest friends, so they know they know when I'm talking about race that I'm not uh, I'm not attacking them. Um, and just when when I talk about how much I love these guys, I'm not being racist either. So I think it has. I think it all comes down to personal relationships, and that's where the change and understanding in the context of the gospel comes from. I, I appreciate you for being in those spaces too. I mean, I know it's it's different, and like especially hearing your story, being from from Tennessee. And uh, growing up a Vols fan, Lord help you. Uh, but then, but then uh, you know, uh, going through you know, you know, in fatherhood and, and going through those trials of being a, a father and then being a pastor, I know that's, that's been a lot. Um, but going back on the fatherhood tip, if there's one, like, advice that you could give, like, someone who's about to be a father or fathers currently, what would you say to them, like, right now? Like, let's say, like, someone's nervous about being a father, they don't know what to do, and they're asking you for, like, advice. Like, what's one piece of advice you would give them? Here it is, and this is what I've learned, is just be present. Mm. Um, I, when I had kids, I was thinking, this is what I want them to be. I want them to know the Bible. I want them to uh, follow Christ. I want them to... Um, you know, I had all this list of things, be great athletes, have good morals and yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I want all these things for them. And that wore me out like that, that wore me out trying to make all of that happen. And, um, it wasn't good for them either. You know, I had this list, this standard for them to live up to. And I realized that if I'm just here and they know I love them, they know I'm proud of them. Um, they know I'm happy to be their dad. All those other things take care of themselves. They're going to see me following Christ. Um, we're, we're, we're just going to, you know, we, we hear it said a lot, but we're going to live life together and that's how we're going to learn from one another. Uh, but, but that's what your kids want and need. And that's how they, that's how they experience the gospel is when their dad is present, when he, when he's there, not just not just making money and providing, making sure they're taken care of. We got to do that. We need to do that. Uh, but involved in their life. Yeah. Um, I made a commitment. I was never going to miss a game. They were never going to look at what I did, you know, for a living, my ministry, call to the ministry, the church. They were never going to say that, um, that that was an idol to me. That, that they were less important than that. I was always going to be at their games. I was going to always be at things that were important to them. I was always going to be available to talk to them, um, to be engaged in their life. Um, and so I would say, be, you know, just be there, be present, be who you are, love Jesus, walk with Jesus, serve, sacrifice, um, but, but be there, be present. Mm-hmm. Man, that's uh, that advice is so crucial too. I think that like 
you know, I remember when we were pregnant with Elena, like I was thinking through all these things that I needed to do and be better at and step up in and all this stuff. And like, I remember somebody being like, the best thing you can do is like, love your wife well and like be there for them in every single moment that you possibly can. Yeah. And, like and I do. Advice. I, <laughs> yeah. And I do think that in light of that being present, you, you mentioned uh, loving your wife. Um, I think that's, that's vital too. You're, that's what your kids need, need more than anything is um, dad who loves mom as Christ loved the church. Mm. They see it, they feel it, they experience it. it is a vivid display of the gospel for them every day. Um, and so, so yeah, I would, I would add that to the, you, you got to be present and you got to be loving your wife as Christ loved the church. Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome. That Ephesians five. <laughs> I, I mean, Jeremy, I think you have you have a way of like putting things like it's like it's just like so blunt and just so it's, it sounds like it's simple. Yeah, it's, it's just like so simple. It's like you make me think about things like, huh? Like, man, I thought you know. Sometimes you think like this is a complicated thing. Like, okay, if I got to be a dad, I got to do X, Y, Z. And you're like, just be there. Just be present. Oh yeah, and and I wore. I wore myself out early on as a dad because, and I, I wanted to be a good dad and it was because I loved my kids and, um, I wanted what was best for them. And I put all this pressure on, you know, we, this is the way we're going to do it. We're going to be, you know, there's this discipline list of things that we're going to do and we're going to accomplish. And I wore myself out with those things. Um, and I realized not that those things aren't important, but you can, your kids can be well-mannered and go to hell. Mm. Uh, they have to, they have to know the gospel and they have to know Jesus. And to do that, they've got to see that, that you love Jesus and you love the gospel. And so you could order their lives in a certain way where they miss that. And so that relational aspect of, of being present, I think is so important. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, listen, this has been a super awesome podcast. Um, Jeremy, I really appreciate all your insight. Uh, I think that you have such a unique perspective. And uh, I'm super hopeful for uh, sports to come back around. Maybe we can have you back on the podcast, talk a little bit about the your Cowboys, the Braves, whatever you want to talk about. But um, <laughs> it's got it's got yeah, it's got to be exhausting having all those disappointing teams. <laughs> yeah, I'm gosh. All right. <laughs> I mean, the, well, the, we... the free times that you do get between being a pastor and being and being a father and being a husband that you that the free time you do get, you spend your time watching miserable teams. Man, I I I'm thankful for you. Man, I'm trying to think of a comeback, but it's Jeremy. It's Jeremy, pretty Jeremy. much true. Devon's a true. Browns fan, so like, oh let's wow, just, <laughs> like so he's purely talking from the standpoint of being a hater. So listen, like he's hating yeah. right now. <laughs> but at least I know at the beginning of the season, about three games in, oh, it ain't happening this year. I'm a Bengals fan. It's the same way. Cowboys fans, yeah. Every single year, it's Super Bowl or bust, and it's a lot of bust. No, you're you're right. I, I'm trying to. He's a humble. I don't know what I can say. I, I I try to tell my kids. I'm like, you know, let's in the '90s, all of our teams were the best. 
Like you have got to trust me and believe me that these teams were good at one time because I, I think they I think they would equate, you know, yeah, the Cowboys with the Browns right now. They were like, our team's just horrible. And I'm like, no, 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 no. no, no. no. We Browns. used to be good. We used to be good. <laughs> hey, they, let's, they're, they're, I'll give them that. They're better than the Browns. So, but, I mean, I, and, and the fact that you, like, raised your kids to all be fans of that too, like, that's <laughs> – well, they just they just are they don't really have a choice because that's all we're gonna do and that's all we're gonna watch is those teams. So that's so. so that's the you know the fellowship with the family. That's what you meant is we're all gonna sit down and watch the Braves lose <laughs> <with> another team. <laughs> oh my word, <laughs> man! It, and the balls, man! The fall from grace. <laughs> it's okay though, Jeremy. Listen, we love you. We're super grateful. That's so funny. We're we're super grateful for you and uh, thankful that you were able to join our podcast. And as I said, man, I look forward to to having more conversation and 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 throwing in some of these sports sports discussions in the coming coming months. Yeah, man, I really really appreciate you guys. I uh, I I love to watch your friendship. I'm thankful for what you do for the cause of Christ and. Uh, very, very honored to to be on your podcast today. Oh, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, guys. All right, guys. Until next time. Peace. Peace. All right. See you guys.